0: Father, we just thank you for your awesome presence with us. Lord, we thank you that as we take a step towards you, you take two steps towards us. And I just pray this morning that God, your Holy Spirit, would just so touch people that, Lord, we'd just see healings, we'd see wholeness, we'd see restoration, God, and we'd just see breakthrough in people's lives. And we just ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Okay, I was brought up in West Auckland. And so as kids, one of the highlights of the year was either going into the Easter show. How many people have been to an Easter show in Auckland? Yeah. Or when the the circus was on in Western Springs. Western Springs Circus. So that was just absolutely fantastic. And it wasn't just the, um, the clowns and the trapeze artists that used to catch my attention, but as a little fella, the thing that really got my attention was the elephants. I mean, they are just so humongous. And uh, you could get up to them pretty close uh, if you came in the afternoon before the show started because they'd be outside and they, they would have a chain around their legs and they were um, chained to a peg in the ground. And uh, so you could get reasonably, reasonably close. And as I got older, one of the things that I began to think is, how come these humongous elephants can't pull that peg out of the ground. I mean, I used to use the elephants for pulling up the big top, and they're very, very powerful. But what I found out was that when the elephants were young, when they're just baby elephants, they would chain the elephants to a peg in the ground. And the little elephant would pull and pull and pull and pull and couldn't move the peg. As he got a little bit older, he'd pull and pull and pull, still couldn't pull out the peg. Came a point in the elephant's life where the elephant would stop pulling against the peg. And so when he got to be a mature elephant, all they had to do was put the peg in the ground, chain around its leg, and it wouldn't even bother to pull. Didn't even think it had the power. You know, we don't realize the power that we have in the Holy Spirit to break free of chains that hold us back from being everything that God has created us to be. For some of us, it's like we've had those chains in our lives since we were young, and we just stopped pulling against the chains, whereas now... With the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, we have all the power in the universe there to break free and to be set free. We have the power to break the chains to stop us from doing everything that God has dreamed of us doing and everything that God wants us to do. So the plans and the promises that God has for each and every one of us are absolutely amazing. They're fantastic. But sometimes we just stop at the end of the chain when we need to break through. If you're like me, you need to break through in your relationship with God, in intimacy with God. How many people need to be more intimate with God? Yeah. Uh, We need to break through in our love for Jesus Christ and one another. We need to break through in defeating the powers of the enemy. We need to break through uh, in breaking chains of bondage and areas of darkness in our lives and in our families. There are so many things that we need to see. We need to break through Uh, and see a release of the power of the Holy Spirit in our church and in our city. There are so many things that we need to break through. and God is able. There is nothing that is impossible to God. So the question I had when preparing this this morning is, how do we partner with God to see a breakthrough in our lives, to see a breakthrough in our families, to see a breakthrough in our church, and to see a breakthrough in Kaitaia. Well, I see there's some keys in the story in Mark of the healing of blind Bartimaeus. So if you've got a Bible, you can turn to it, or you'll see the scriptures are on the screen behind me there. And we're going to start reading from Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. And I'm reading in the NIV version. And if you had downloaded this, the CU app, you'd find there is a brilliant Bible uh, app with it. So you could just go in, just look it up. In fact, I was talking to a 75-year-old lady in our church last week, and she was saying, oh, pastor, she said, I haven't been for a couple of weeks, I must get on the computer and uh, listen to the sermons that we've had. And I said, oh, have you got a smartphone? She said, yep. She said, let me download the, the app for you. So I downloaded the app for her. Went on, grabbed hold of the sermon. She said, this is fantastic. She said, I can take it wherever I want to go. So download that app for yourselves. Mark chapter 10, and starting at verse 46, it says this. Then they came to Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, A blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Uh, Many rebuked him, told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up. On your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. That was a pretty good encounter, wasn't it? That was pretty awesome. In Bible times... Next to lepers, blind beggars were the most despised people of Jewish society. Leprosy and blindness were always associated with sin. So if you were blind, you were seen as a dirty, rotten sinner. If you had leprosy, that was your place. It was just seen as the judgment of God on these people. And there's a sense that Every one of us have areas in our lives that are dark. Every one of us have areas in our lives where we desperately need Jesus. And I think the first step to getting a breakthrough in our lives is always to recognize our condition and recognize our need for Jesus. Why don't you just shut your eyes for a moment? Just close your eyes. Everyone just close your eyes. Now, keep your eyes shut. Now imagine that you try and open your eyes and they won't open. Imagine that your lids are shut. Imagine that you're never going to be able to open them again. What would that be like? If you're really allowing your imagination to kick in, you're probably going to start to panic. Never be able to see God's creation. Never be able to see one another. Never be able to see yourself. All the time you spent getting ready for church this morning, somebody else would have to do that for you. How do you look? Well, you don't know unless someone tells you. Did you dribble your breakfast down your front this morning? You can't tell. You're blind. You can't see. How do you work? How do you live? What would people think of you? What does God think of you? Open your eyes. It's a gift. Sight is a gift. You know, the first time I ever saw beggars was when I was on a mission trip to India. Flowing into Madras. Airport, and uh, as I was coming in, uh, as the plane was coming into land, I started to get that squeezy feeling, that knotted feeling in my stomach. And I thought, God, what am I doing here? I am thousands of miles from home. God, I don't even like Indian people. And I'm on a missions trip. I said, God, if you've got to give me. You've got to give me a love for these people, otherwise otherwise I'm absolutely sunk. And that's what God did. But the interesting thing was that I went into the airport, was going through customs, got through customs, and on the other side I was just confronted by just heaps and heaps of beggars, mainly kids, uh, kids with all sorts of deformities, some blind, some broken legs, some broken arms, just all there trying to get the tourist dollar. And that wasn't so bad as the thought that came to me that was true, that most of those kids were in that condition because their parents had maimed them, had blinded them, had broken their arms, so the kids would be better able to beg from the tourists. Any of you seen um, Slumdog Millionaire? Yeah? You remember how they poured the mercury into that kid's eyes? That's exactly what it's like. That is ex- that's, that's not Hollywood. That is exactly what it is like. And that's what the enemy does. That's what sin does in our lives. It maims us. It stops us from experiencing the fullness of God. Bartimaeus was blind, and he knew it, and it impacted every area of his life. He was dysfunctional, but he knew he was. And the first step in getting healed is always to recognize that you're sick. The first step in solving a problem is always to recognize that you've got a problem. In Luke chapter 5, we read the story about how Levi had a party, and he invited all manner of people to meet Jesus. And it says in um, chapter 5 and verse 30, But the Pharisees complained to Jesus, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. The Pharisees were spiritually blind but they didn't recognize it. They thought that they were well, but really they were spiritually sick. Jesus called them blind leaders of the blind. And it's only when you recognize that you've got a problem that you begin to look for a solution. Uh, People today are overwhelmed by addictions, by debt, by health issues, by relationship problems, by mental health issues, by depression. People are afraid to admit that they are depressed. Have you seen those ads on TV by John Kerwin? All put up there so that people will realize that if they have a condition such as schizophrenia, they need to get help. They need to bring it out into the light. People are overwhelmed by their workload, by changing physical conditions. People are afraid they sleep less. We take more pills than any other generation, and we're guilty about it. And kaitaya. Kaitaya is overwhelmed by drug addiction. They tell me that one in three houses in kaitaya has people who are using or doing pee. One in three and that one in three affects the other two-thirds. it has got an ever-increasing gang influence. There is hopelessness amongst the youth, leading to suicide, poverty, and sickness. You can't ignore it. We can't just sweep it under the carpet and pretend that it's not happening. But we do need to do something about it. And that's something that we do, is to cry out to God. Uh, Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was passing by and he knew that this wasn't just his best chance to, re- to regain his sight this was his only chance this was it this was it the one chance he was going to get to get healed no wonder he cried out with everything he had even when the crowd tried to shut him up the Bible tells us that he sheltered all the more you know Many people have areas of their lives where they hold dark secrets, places where the light of Jesus hasn't reached. In fact, every one of us have come from that place. Every one of us, if we were really, really honest, would tell me that there are areas in your life that are still to come under the blood of Jesus Christ. Because we're all on a journey. Some of us have been on that journey just a couple of months. Some of us have been on that journey for many, many years. Every one of us is on a journey, and nobody here is perfect. If we were to shine a light on Pastor Paul's heart and flick up all of the sins onto the big screen, after he got out from underneath the chair, he'd tell you, hey, there's areas that he's still working on, same as every one of us. People with problems generally don't cry out to Jesus because they are ashamed of what he and others might think about them. I was part of a church in Hamilton that was a pretty large church. We had 1,100 people on a Sunday morning. But we had a culture of being victorious. So someone would say, oh, how are you going? And you'd always say, yeah, going great. You know? If you had a problem, it was because you didn't have enough faith. If you had a problem, it was because you weren't trying hard enough. And so nobody would share their problems. Nobody would say, hey, look, would you, would you pray for me because I'm really, really down today? We'd all put on a mask. And when you put on a mask, you don't get to the heart of what's going on. Despite his shame, Bartimaeus cries out, son of David, have mercy on me. And that cry for mercy stopped the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the Creator of the universe in his tracks. Isaiah says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he's near. Hosea said, "Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. Break up your unplowed ground, for it's time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. I don't know whether you recognize it yet, but there is a time and there is a season where it appears that God is nearer than what he was a ways back. We are in that time. I mean, just look around here. How, how long has this church been going? A year. year and a bit. year and a half. And look. What an awesome community of people here. God is doing fantastic things. People are getting born again. This is a time of God's blessing. This is a time of God's nearness. This isn't a time to shove your problems under your bed and forget about them. This is a time to bring them out into the light. There is a heart cry from God's people that God always responds to. And it's a cry of His people in need. It's a cry of desperation. It's a cry saying, God, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I'm going to keep on praying, God, until you break through in this particular area. I'm going to keep on knocking. I'm going to hunger and thirst for more of you in my life. God, I want to see my community healed, and I know that I haven't got the power of myself to do it, but God, you've got the power, and so I'm going to partner with you, and together, God, we're going to see this place turn around. But it takes a people who will begin to take hold, grab hold of God. It's like Jacob when he was wrestling with God. And he said, God, I am not going to let you go till you bless me. And he did. And he did. Jesus, teaching his disciples, said, so this is what I'm saying to you. Ask, and it will be given you. And I'm not an English teacher or anything like that, but the original Greek there doesn't just have the influence of ask. It says in the original, it's ask and keep on asking, and it'll be given you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you'll find. Knock and keep on knocking, the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. To him who knocks, the door will be open. And then Jesus says, "Which of you fathers? Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead?" Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. No. None of us dads would do that sort of thing. And what Jesus is saying is, hey, your heavenly father is better than you. And so when you ask for good things, he's not going to give you rubbish. Bartimaeus didn't need a sermon. He didn't just need someone to tell him that he was blind. He already knew that. Bartimaeus needed an encounter with Jesus. He needed to be touched. He needed to be healed. And he needed to be heard and he needed to be seen. But he couldn't be heard and seen without crying out to Jesus. And here's the problem. Our natural reaction is to try and hide our shame. Our natural reaction is to try and hide our problems. And we put a mask on much like a blind beggar's cloak pretending that no one sees our darkness and especially that God doesn't see it. But It's in the light that wholeness and healing come. 1 John 1 verse 7 says, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Where does the healing and the purification come? It comes in the light. In the light, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth isn't in us. But if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. God knows everything, and He sees everything about you. Turn to the person next to you and say, God knows everything about you, (laughs) He knows everything. And you know what the amazing thing is? He knows everything about you. He knows everything about me. And he still loves us. He still loves us. In Matthew chapter 20, uh, a similar passage to Mark's account, it says that when Jesus saw the beggar, Jesus was moved with compassion. And then he healed him. Psalm 34 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Why is he close? Is he close to get a better look at the mess we've made of our lives? No. He's close to heal us. Psalm 147.3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And that is a promise to communities as well as to individuals this morning. So God loves us. That's why he sent Jesus not to condemn us, not to pull us down, but to break the power of sin in our lives and to set us free. Jesus said to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? And Jesus is asking you and I that question this morning. If you could ask God one thing this morning, what would you ask him? Have a think. If You could ask God for one thing this morning and be absolutely 100% assured that that was going to happen, what would you ask for? Jesus is asking that question this morning. So, we need to, first of all, recognize our condition and our need for Jesus. Secondly, cry out to him. Thirdly, we need to see divine possibilities for our situation. George Bernard Shaw said, there are some people who look at the way things are and ask why. And there are others who look at the way things could be and ask why not. We're going to be those people who look at the way things could be and say, why not? You see, we're the generation of people that God said he would pour out his Holy Spirit on. And we, like no other generation before us, should know the plans and the purposes of God for our lives. Don't settle for maintenance mode in your life. God has a dream that he wants to dream through you and I. We need to begin to see the divine possibilities for the situations and circumstances that we face. Don't let your dream die just because of a few problems. The woman with the issue of blood. In Mark chapter 5, had problems, 12 years she was bleeding for. Spent all her money, but then she came to Jesus and she said, if I could just touch his garment, I'll be made whole. And we need to be a people of vision who, despite our problems, despite our lack of fruitfulness, will see divine possibilities for our situation, divine possibilities of God touching our lives, visiting us afresh, and instead of complaining and moaning about the way things are, instead of being complacent and accepting, we need to look through the eye of faith, through the eye of the Spirit, to the way things could be, and cry out to God and say, why not? What would Kitiah be like if God were to pour out his spirit on this place? What would Kytiah be like if God were to roll back darkness? If people would be walking down the street looking for a Christian saying, what must I do to be saved? What would this community be like? What do you think God's dream for, Kytiah is? Is his dream that things would get worse, or is his dream that things would be getting better? If his dream is that things would be getting better in this town, don't you think that he would be positioning people in this place? People who love him with all their heart? People who are full of the Holy Spirit? People who can be his heart, his hands? his feet extended. Don't you think he'd be doing that? Have you ever thought that you might be that people? You might be the ones that God is placing in this place because he wants to move by the power of his Holy Spirit. I was having lunch with a, um, a guy on Tuesday uh, who's one of the top ministry of education people in Northland. His responsibility is all of the 22 schools in Northland. He was telling me that the head of the Ministry of Education for Titai Tokarao, the North, the the head is a born again, baptized in the Holy Spirit lady who goes to Bethel Church in Whangarei. That lady and the guy in my church get together every week, and they pray over a map of Northland. They pray over Kaitaia. They pray over kaikohe They've been doing that for about five years now. Why do you think so much sin is being brought to the light in these regions over the last five years? Why do you think so many sex abusers have been caught in the north in the last five years? I'll tell you why. Because God's moving by the power of His Holy Spirit and He's starting to clean this place up. Sinners is being exposed. There's starting to be breakthroughs in these areas. People, we need to look not just at the problem, but we need to look and see what God is doing and begin to partner with Him and begin to get excited about the power that he's entrusted into our hands to make a difference in this place. Fourth thing we need to do is we need to throw off those things which will stop us from receiving everything that God has for us. Mark 10, verse 50. Bartimaeus throws off his cloak, jumps to his feet, and comes to Jesus. See, the cloak was a symbol of his old life. It was all he had. That was his comfort zone. That was what he would wrap himself in. It's like that was his booze. That was his drugs. That was the thing that he he could go to to feel secure. But when Jesus called him, he threw that aside. And it's interesting, he threw that cloak aside before he actually got healed. When he heard the call of God, that's when that cloak was left. And he never needed that beggar's cloak again because Jesus healed and transformed his life. Hebrews 1 verse 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let's run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. There is a cloud of witnesses looking at us this morning. They are those ones that have gone before. They are the ones that have championed the faith in our region. They are the ones who are standing in front of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, looking down upon us this morning, saying, go on. Go for it. You can do it. Get rid of that stuff. Chuck it aside. You can win this race. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. I've got a grandmother in heaven who's saying, come on, Don. You can do it. I've got a mum and dad in heaven who'll be saying, come on, my son. You can do it. You can be everything that God has created you to be. They're there championing the cause. And because of that great cloud of witnesses, we can put aside those things which would be stumbling blocks to us. Mark ten fifty one. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus said. The blind man said, "Rabbi, I want to see." Bartimaeus knew exactly what he wanted. He didn't tell Jesus the whys and the wherefores. He didn't tell Jesus how he was abused as a kid. He came from a poor background. How everything was against him in this world. He just came straight to the point and said, "Jesus." I want to see. So what about you this morning? Jesus is here to meet needs. And the greatest need we have is for more of Jesus in our lives. Let's have the musicians just come, if you could, please. And point number five. When we come to Jesus... We need to receive by faith. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. You know, faith is simply believing that God is who he says he is and will do what he says he'll do. Faith responds to the Word of God. Faith puts aside those things that are stopping us from going on with Him. You know, every person here this morning, doesn't matter how far away you are from God, it doesn't matter how much your life is messed up at the moment every person here is just one step away from getting back on track with god just one step away and what's that step that step is coming to jesus and saying god i'm so sorry For the way I've hurt you. Please come into my life afresh. Forgive me for all the rubbishy things I've done. Help me to live a life that's pleasing for you. One step, just one step. Every one of us is one step away from getting 100% back on track. With God. You know, the first face that Bartimaeus sees is Jesus. His healing absolutely transforms his life. And the last thing it says in that verse is that Bartimaeus followed Jesus down the road. You know, if you're going to reach your destiny, if you're going to be everything that God's planned for you to be, then the only way that's going to happen is going to be if you follow Jesus down the road. Because that's what the Christian life is all about. It's about following Him one step at a time. But before you can follow Him, you've got to know Him. Before you can know Him, You've got to ask him to come into your life. So I wonder, just with every head bowed, every heart open, every eyes closed, this morning. I wonder if there are people here this morning and just as I've talked, you've you've realized, hey, there are areas in my life that I've hung on to for so long that need to be dealt with. And this morning, you just want God to come in touch those things, break those chains of bondage, and set you free. If that's you this morning, why don't you just raise your hand. I'll just see it where you are. Just as I look around. Is anyone like that? Yep, I can see that. Anybody else? Yep, I can see that. Anybody else? Yep, I see that hand. Yeah, I see that. Yep, I can see that. Quite a number of us. You know, I've got areas in my life that I just want to be broken. Broken. that I need to be set free in. But as we walk in the light, as He is in the light, then Jesus can come in. There'll be other ones here this morning, and you've never surrendered your life completely to Jesus Christ. But this morning, you want to. If you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus, but you want to, why don't you just raise your hand? I'll see it. Put it down. Anyone like that? Need to get on track with God. Just as I look around, best decision I ever made was to ask Jesus Christ to come into my life when I was at university. That totally transformed my life. I had never had any idea that life would be so exciting, that life would be so good. Happened as a result of Jesus Christ coming into my life happened as I started living for him. Is anyone like that this morning? Just as I look around.